this edition of Hoopsology, we have a preview of the New York Knicks with one of the hosts of Depot Strickland, Sweeney Pooh. We really enjoyed this chat because Sweeney Pooh explains why this era of the Knicks will be different than any other Knicks teams in the past. He also explains how the Knicks rank in the Eastern Conference and why, and why the Brooklyn Nets will never be the number one team in New York. Now enjoy this chat with Sweeney Pooh. He is the host of the Pod Strickland on the Strickland, which covers the New York Knicks. We welcome Sweeney Pooh onto Hoopsology. How's it going? Uh, pretty good, man. Just uh, waiting for the uh, the old Monday Night Football to kick off here. So uh, I'm not I'm not a big preseason guy. I'm not I'm not sitting here crunching uh, Toronto Raptors preseason film or anything. <laughs> Neither <laughs> am I. Yeah, I uh, yeah care less about the the preseason but one of the guests to have you on because the the Knicks have really been you know capturing kind of the league by storm even though like you know what happened in the playoffs happened to the Atlanta Hawks but whenever the Knicks are relevant I think the NBA is better for it so I guess I want to ask you what are your general feelings of just you know you covering the team overall are you optimistic are you skeptical because if you kind of been down this road before where you've seen some hope and then it kind of sometimes ends in a disastrous fashion so where do you kind of lie in terms of your optimism heading into this season uh, I'm super optimistic about this season and just like the general direction of the franchise right now. Um, most of the time previously when they've had like winning seasons, it hasn't really felt sustainable. They haven't really had young talent. They haven't had a lot of their own first round picks. Uh, this is like a totally different thing where they have all their first round picks. They have a first round pick from Charlotte. They have a first round pick from Dallas. They've got God knows how many second round picks. Um, it's kind of funny. Like, uh, you guys know that real GM page. It's like the future drafts tailed. Like for all of my life, that it page has been the most depressing part of being a Knicks fan. <laughs> like you're out like seven first round picks. You don't have any second round picks. And now it's the exact opposite. They don't, they don't owe anybody a pick and they have so many picks coming in from elsewhere. Uh, you know, Julius Randall, obviously there's a lot of, was it real? Was it not real? Uh, I think that there's room for like, Maybe the three-point shooting, I don't think he's a 41% three-point shooter, but is he a 37% three-point shooter? Yeah, I think so. And I think, like, you know, with better spacing, since you're not going to be playing with Alfred Payton, um, you're gonna he's going to have a lot more shots at the rim instead of having to settle for so many mid-range pull-ups like he did last year uh, and probably finish better at the rim just because, again, they'll have better spacing. Um, and then, you know, you have R.J. Barrett, who is 21 years old. Quickly is 22 years old. Mitchell Robinson's 22 years old. Uh, Obi Toppin, who really struggled for I would say the first four or five months of the season. Uh, and then, you know, obviously look, a lot of people that don't watch the Knicks, which if you're not a Knicks fan, I understand would, I think people had already written him off as like, he's a bust or whatever. And I don't, I don't even necessarily believe he's going to be a Nick for super long because I don't know the path for him to be a high minutes player on the Knicks with Julius Randall existing. Um, but like he, he really started contributing and looked really good actually at various points throughout the stretch of the season and the playoffs he was one of the few guys in the team that actually exceeded expectations uh so yeah i mean I i'm really really optimistic about this team i think it's in a really good place uh you know both in terms of kind of like the ability to draft like trade make trades they have a lot of draft capital uh they have a lot of good contracts they have a lot of easy contracts that you can slide in package together for you know to make salaries match um and then obviously the big swing piece is like i mean kemba walker doesn't need to be an all-star but if he's just like i mean if he's literally what he was last year but a little bit more healthy that's 
a massive upgrade for the Knicks. And I really don't think people that like people that did not watch the Knicks a lot last year, I don't think they have a real grasp of like the difference between going from Alfred Payton to Kemba Walker. So what's your expectations in terms of the playoffs? Like obviously the Knicks are, I think beyond the playing game. So that pretty much means like that middle of the pack, maybe four to five seed, or maybe at the, perhaps the, the top half of the Eastern conference. I mean, we don't, I mean, Philly is kind of an unpredictable situation as well as Boston considering what happened with them last year. So where do you, what are your expectations as like a Knicks fan covering this team where I guess what I'm asking is where do you see like your disappointment? If like, you're, like a seven, eight C was, it was that good. Is that going to be disappointing or do you have like higher expectations? Uh, I mean, it really depends. I'm not, I don't really have a, I guess the way I think of it is, I think Milwaukee and Brooklyn are in their own tier in the East. Like, I just think they're, they're clear. Um, but then like the rest of the conference, I mean, I have for me, and this is just me. I think Atlanta, I think Miami, Philly, Nick, the Knicks, Boston and Indiana. That's what six teams. I think they're like all in this tier together uh, underneath. So like, could they be at a play in team? Yeah, I think they could be a play in team. Would it surprise me if they finished fourth or third? Like, I mean, I wouldn't bet on them being third, but like fourth, I really don't think it's like, I, I get the skepticism that a lot of people have of the team, but I also think like, you know, for whatever Tibbs's flaws are as a coach, the guy wins regular season games. Like the only place he, he had mm-hmm. basically one bad year in Minnesota and everybody's like, well, he's, you know, the league's <laughs> passed by and like, maybe, but all I know is that guy in Chicago basically every year won more games than people thought they were going to win. Um, and, you know, is he a good enough playoff coach? That's a separate question, but as far as, like, finishing, where do they finish? I think they're a pretty solid bet to be a top-six team. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily be, you know, apoplectic if they have to play, if they end up in the play-in game. I, I do think the East is, a lot, is better this year. I think a lot of teams around them got better. I think the Knicks got better, but I, I also just think like there's a lot of parody in that level beneath them and um you know like i i'm kind of just okay with that uh what i would say is like i think there's a difference between i i, I think the knicks are set up like th- i don't really like where miami is right now and i know that's like yeah. some steaming hot take for the people like i just I'm not, I love Kyle Lowry. I love him. I wanted the Knicks to sign him if we could have this offseason. I just don't think he's like for what they needed. I looked at that team last year and I'm like, they're old. They're not athletic. Like what does Kyle Lowry change for them? Like, I know he's a, he's yeah. a better player than Goran Dragic. I agree with that, but he doesn't like really, I don't think he adds a significant element to that team that they were missing. And I, I was, a, I was pretty concerned with what I saw from Butler towards the end of last year. That didn't just look like he's struggling with, you know, his shot or something. It just looked like a guy who look, he's, we know that Jimmy Butler has logged a lot of minutes and not just, it's not even just the number of minutes, but the kind of like how hard a lot of those minutes were. I mean, we know what Tibbs put him through in Chicago, put him through that grinder. Um, and in Minnesota, like we, we know, and we know that when Jimmy Butler plays like that's he he goes balls out both sides of the ball. Uh, that's just who he is. And that's great. But I also think like some of the stuff we saw at the end of last season was really concerning. And I thought like, you know, the Bucks, like it's kind of funny. They did to him what Miami did to Giannis the year before in the bubble. Yeah. Where they were just like, you can't shoot. And we're just going to defend you like that. So <laughs> you want to come into the paint and try and score on 
Giannis and Brooke Lopez and whoever else we got in there, like you can go for it. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, and I know I, I trust me, I'm not comparing Jimmy Butler to Alfred Payne. I'm not. Okay. But <laughs> I do think that like, we're at a point now in the league where when that book gets out on you of like, it's like these guys that can't shoot when teams see that, that strategy work, you see a lot of copycats. And I just saw that like last year at the start of preseason, I saw teams that were, like they were defending Alfred Payton in a way that I hadn't seen before, where they were just like, he can't shoot. So let's just let him, we don't care what he does with it. Uh, we mm-hmm. don't need to defend him. We don't need that. Like, and obviously Butler is a different caliber of player. He's still an all-star caliber player. He's still really good. But I do think that like when you get into those more high end caliber matchups against better teams, uh, I-, I think a lot of teams are going to start, playing it the way that Milwaukee did. And obviously not everybody has Giannis or Brooke Lopez, but the idea of like, Hey, look, Jimmy, if he wants to be out there on the perimeter with the ball, he can do what he wants, but we're not going to defend him. And we're not going to pretend like we need to close out hard on him as we Frank, quite frankly, we don't think we need to respect him off the ball either. Uh, And yeah, I just, I don't know. Like the Miami thing, it just feels like, like, I'm not, I think the bubble run they had was like, pretty fortunate in a lot of ways and i kind of think that's still clouding a lot of people's opinion of them so if you really ask me of that group of teams i said which one i'm like lowest on it's probably miami because even though you know boston didn't do anything drastic the fact that they have tatum and brown at the ages they are um i think they have a lot of room for internal improvement in that sense and also they just had a shit ton of injuries last year so like who knows maybe they can bounce back i'm actually a little bit higher on them than a lot of my uh fellow Knicks fans are and I think that makes them angry at me sometimes <laughs> I, I like your thinking and it's interesting because you know what you described the the heat have kind of gone into win now mode mm-hmm. in a year where you know assuming everyone's healthy which not everyone always is of course we know there's stuff that comes up but basically there's no room for them to beat like you said the Bucks or the Nets right now as constructed if teams are healthy Mm-hmm. So you're you're rooting for a lot of luck. I think it, I, I'm a Rockets fan. And right now I'm excited because there's a lot of young talent there. Uh, I know that nothing's happening this year, <laughs> but there's something yeah. to root for in the future. You know, I, I've so to make the Knicks comparison, like I think I'd be almost more excited to root for that in that, like you said, you have this room to grow. The Heat are like done as they are right now. Yeah, they can't really I, do a lot. I mean, they they typically pivot well, but as it is right now, they're pretty locked in. I, I just think like they're like if you take out that bubble run season, what have they done since LeBron? Like they haven't done anything really. Like they've, I, I what they've won like they won like one playoff series other than that. Um, and yeah. I you know you look like the way you you're seeing how these free free agency works now, where like literally nobody ever actually hits free agency, so everything is about trades. Like, why would I like what I, I think like so many teams can trump them in terms of making trade offers for like this next group of stars, you know, like the the cats and bookers and whoever, like, I'm not saying those guys are definitely going to ask out. I'm just saying that's kind of like the next group that you're going to be looking at. Like, oh, maybe those are the guys that we're going to start prying away from their teams. Um, I just think that like they don't have the assets to really like fight that battle. And, um, you know, then like, you know, Brooklyn, like they've got their guys. Those guys aren't leaving, you know, Milwaukee, Giannis is locked up. Drew is locked up like that other group of stars that like, like they don't have access to those guys either. So I just don't really understand um, what their path is. It's basically like hope Tyler hero is 
actually really, really good. And then hope that Bam makes another leap, which would be like, that's the other thing too, for me is like, I know it's kind of like bullshit to be like, well, the Celtics can get better because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but like not apply that to Miami, but I just see more scope for improvement with, for, from those guys' games, yeah, than I do with Bam because I think Bam is awesome. He's made and he made a leap. Like, but what else is he reasonably gonna become? He's gonna start scoring twenty five a night and like, you know, being a three level scorer or something. Like, uh, yeah, I don't see that. And um, you know, actually, I you mentioned you're a Rockets fan. I actually think it's interesting when they made that trade for the the Harden trade. I actually like. I didn't understand people killing them for it because the way I thought of it was like, and I, I know that it got leaked at the time. They're like, Oh, for was never going to trade Simmons to Philly, which I thought was kind of like Maury leaking to his, you know, fanboys in the press. Like, Hey, like I couldn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think they just made an active choice of, Hey, look, like we can either take the Simmons thing and I have no clue. Like Rick, are we even a playoff team and we still don't have our picks then? And we don't have like, we're, we're going to be capped out even more forever. Like, I think they made the choice of like, Hey, look, like if we're going to trade Harden, there's no trade out there that we're going to get back. That's going to give us a path, a clean path to staying as a contender. So yeah. let's just blow this up. Let's clean our cap up. Let's get picks because we need picks. Cause we're going to suck. And let's like just really blow it up. And I, I think they deserve credit for that. And I, trust me, like I have like despised watching the Morty ball, Matt analytic friendly version of the rocket. So like, yeah, me too. <laughs> like, like, like I, cause I just think they took it to a bizarre level, yeah. but, um, but like, I thought that trade was really good for them. And I think now like, and the other thing it did that people didn't bake into like the calculation and I think I maybe have an appreciation for this because the Knicks kind of did a similar thing with the Porzingis trade is it allowed them to just tank. So like their pick this year automatically increased in value. There was no like, Oh, we're going to get back Simmons. So then our pick is going to be like, we're going to have the 10th best lottery odds instead of what did they end up having the fourth best lottery odds or something, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was mm-hmm. a lot better because they tanked and they sucked and they just leaned into it, which I think they deserve credit for. Like as soon as, the Oladipo thing, he got hurt, and they just were like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just, we're tanking full on. And I think they deserve credit for that. Like, the one thing I guess you can criticize is like, maybe you just, they should have just taken Karis Lavert and Jared Allen instead of Oladipo. Again, I don't really have a problem with that because I personally think Lavert's super overrated. And I think Jared Allen, they, they knew he, they were going to have to pay him in a year. And they're like, why do we want to pay him in a year? We're not going anywhere. So right. I think that trade was beautiful for them. I really liked it. And I like liked it at the time, and now I like it a l- way more. Yeah, they're they're fun. I, I've been getting amped up just watching these guys develop. I, I wanted to go back to the Knicks because one of the things that I is kind of one of my question marks for this team moving forward is the the guard rotation. Now that mm-hmm. Kemba Walker is in the mix as well, how do you think they walk the balance? I mean, Thibodeau likes to play veterans, right? Um, but do you think there is, uh, more of a balance that they'll do this year with more guards on the roster in terms of like developing RJ Barrett, developing other guys that are on that roster, or do you think it'll be more like, let's push Derek Rose and let's push Kemba Walker, uh, while we've got these guys, what what do you think that rotation is going to look like this year compared to last year? I think it's going to be pretty similar. Um, like I, I really think Kemba is just going to take Alfred Payne minutes. I, I'd have to look it up, but mm. I want to say Alfred Payton ended up playing like 
I'll look it up right now. I want to say like 26 minutes per game last year. He actually played a less than 23.6 minutes per game last year. Um, I imagine, and I know that like people, like, so if you actually look at uh, the Minnesota teams he had, if you go year by year um, with Wiggins and Cat specifically, just because those are the two big guys, the stars, I guess you could say, um, I'm not suggesting that Andrew Wiggins is actually a star. Uh, but like, if you go by year by year, like those, their minutes actually came down each year. Um, and I think like, you're going to see something similar from him this year where like maybe Kemba plays more minutes than he's going to play more minutes than Alfred Payne did for sure. Um, at least per game. But, uh, I think RJ's minutes will come down. I think, uh, Randall's minutes will come down a bit. Uh, mm. Tibbs has already been pretty vocal about like Obi Toppin is, you know, he's looks like a different player. He's playing really well. He's been training all summer. Uh, we know he loves Emmanuel quickly because he gave quickly 18 minutes a night last year as a rookie. And Tibbs does not typically just give rookies 18 minutes a night unless he really believes in them. Uh, he quite literally called him. And this is kind of when I knew that quickly was definitely going to play minutes last year. Like I think at, maybe after the second or third day of training camp, he had an interview, you know, he just did a post practice interview or whatever. And they were asking about stuff. And he's, he said something like quickly is one of the best. He said quickly is one of the best shooters in the NBA right now. He didn't say like, on the team or for a rookie, he just flat out said he's one of the best shooters in the NBA right now. Uh, mm. I'm not sure if I would go that far, but I would say like some, <laughs> some of his range is spectacular and he showed that off last year and that's stuff you can't teach. And I think they have an appreciation for that at being a weapon, both on ball and off ball. Uh, so I'm not really that worried about like, are they going to like, you know, get enough minutes. If there is a concern, it's probably like you added Kemba, you added Evan Fournier, who is a really good player. Uh, much more dynamic scorer, obviously, than Reggie Bullock. Um, you still have Julius. Like, where are RJ Barrett's on-ball reps coming? How many is he going to get? What's that going to look like? Because obviously, like, the biggest swing, kind of like the biggest swing factor for this team, really, in terms of, like, its trajectory, is RJ Barrett's progression. Um, mm -hmm. He was a third overall pick. He had a really good second season, made leaps across the board, basically. Um he needs those reps on ball to eventually get to the level you want him to get to. And I, I, you know, I love, I love RJ Barrett. I'm like a big believer in him. I, I don't think this is the year. I never have thought that the third year was going to be the year where he made like, Oh my God, he's an all-star now, but like year four or five, that's when I would expect that. So I'm not too worried about that. It's just something where like, you still want to see them get him reps on ball because you need those reps to eventually get to where you want him to be. Uh, but as far as like quickly and Obi Toppin and stuff and Mitch, like, I mean, Mitch is going to start once he's healthy. That's not a question. Uh, I think quickly is going to get plenty of minutes. I actually think he might, I think his minutes will be more up and down this year where like, because Kemba is going to get more minutes than Alfred did, but I think Kemba will miss more games. And I think Derek Rose will miss games. And like that actually I think he might average more minutes, even if it's more kind of like a roller coaster ride with them game to game. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not too worried about it. I think you know they have two first, they have two kids that they drafted, uh, Quentin Grimes and uh, Deuce McBride. I really like them both as prospects, but like they're probably not going to play much this year, and that's okay. Like the Knicks, like this is the thing: the Knicks are good, so like it's okay if first year rookies don't play. Like that's not a huge crisis at this point. I wanted to ask you the dynamic between like the Nets and the Knicks. I'm always fascinated in terms of kind of two teams in like the same city or in close proximity to each other. And I think a lot of fans, I think, have 
placed the Nets as like the Eastern Conference rep, you know, heading to the NBA Finals. And but the Knicks in the Garden that has such a long reputation in the league. Kind of, what's your feeling in terms of kind of those two fan bases, like the dynamic within New York itself? Um, in terms of, you know, the Knicks are rising, does that automatically kind of take the shine away from the Nets, even though they are the, you know, the favorite to win it all, but New York, but the Knicks are relevant again, and they know they sell out every home game, no matter what. So kind of what's your kind of feeling in terms of the Knicks as being relevant, especially last year in terms of, you know, them facing off against Trey Young. I kind of felt like an NBA finals, even though those are two teams that had no chance of winning the title that felt very relevant because it was mass square garden. It was the Knicks and what what happened in that game playoff series happens so what's the dynamic between kind of you know the nets having a team in close proximity you know being a title contenders but yet the next probably is going to get more shine this season just due to them being good again uh yeah i mean i didn't know nets fans exist so uh it's always <laughs> interesting story. But like, I'll, 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 tell you, I'll tell you an honest story i'll tell you an honest story sure uh the day that the nets signed so that was the first day of free agency they signed kevin durant they signed kyrie irving and they signed DeAndre Jordan, who hilariously was billed at the time as, you know, part of the big three. Um, I went to the deli. Uh, I was living in the city then. I I went to the deli and um, I, you know, was just ordering a sandwich. And obviously I'm like, God damn it. We're like, we didn't get any of these guys. We're going to get Julius Randle. Like, I'm trying to talk myself into it. (laughs) But you go to the, I'm not joking. I'm in the corner store. I'm in Brooklyn. Go to the deli. And there's like four guys in there talking about like yo you don't even realize like julius is gonna be a fucking beast this year and he's just going off and it's just like like (laughs) this is the dynamic like the nets are attractive to neutral fans obviously um i'm sure that they have developed a few hundred fans in the city um (laughs) and i'm sure they have their new jersey fans like they just are never going to matter on the scale of the knicks the knicks will like it is I'm the Knicks are not the Lakers in terms of titles or overall glamour as a franchise, but uh, they have they will always be the team that people care about in New York. It's never going to change, and it doesn't matter how many fluff pieces Adrian Wojnarowski writes for them, it doesn't matter <laughs> how great the amenities are that in their media room, it doesn't matter how wonderful, uh, you know, all like it, it just doesn't matter, like it it will never matter because everything about the nets, everything about how they're talked, everything about what they do, it is always in somehow a comparison to the Knicks. And that tells you everything that you need to know about that relationship Mm. where like, if they three peated, nobody will care in the city. Like it will not (laughs) matter. There will not be like this outpour. Like if the Knicks win, like the Knicks won a playoff game and literally you had people (laughs) in the streets of Manhattan dancing, and like <laughs> celebrating, like it is, it's just not a comparison. Like it, it'll never capture it, the Knicks are like in a city that has, you know, they have, you have the Yankees, you have the Mets, you have the Giants, you have the Jets, you have the Rangers, you have the Islanders. The Knicks were the one team that didn't have like a competition. They didn't have, and like, really it's a basketball town. And like the Yankees mm. won 27 world series, but I promise you the city itself is way more excited when the Knicks are good than if the Yankees are dynastic. Like, the Yankees being a dynasty does not generate like it does not generate the same amount of attention and kind of excitement and enthusiasm around the city as like the Knicks being consistently good as they were in the nineties. Like I like really like think about it. The Yankees won what like 
They won four World Series in five years in that stretch. Mm-hmm. Who the hell talks about those teams anymore? Nobody talks about those teams anymore, really. That's a good point. And people still talk about the 90s Knicks, who didn't win a title. They went yeah. to two finals, and they got a gentleman sweep in one. Like, that was, like, and people still talk about those teams. So, I just, I don't think people really understand that, like, the Nets are, and I, I, I they are a contender. They should win the championship this year if mm-hmm. they're all healthy and if Kyrie Irving gets an injection. Um, but, like, <laughs> like, they just will never, it's not even, uh, it doesn't really matter to me. And quite frank, I'll be c- completely honest with you. I wrote an article before that free agency when Kevin Durant ruptured his Achilles. I was like, just don't do it. I don't care. I've seen this. Like, if he comes back and he's amazing and he looks like he's still amazing, so be it. Like, I just did not want to do it. I've seen the Knicks do this before, like trade for Antonio McDyess, sign Mario Stoudemire. Like, I did not want to do the injured star thing. I was happy that they did not do that. Uh, they didn't exactly mm. crush that offseason, but I do think that now you're seeing in the hands of like an executive that has a plan and with a coach that has a plan. Um, that offseason really wasn't that much of a disaster. In a lot of ways, it set them up for like the potential for sustained success. And, um, you know, you look at some of the guys they signed that offseason who, funny enough, now like Marcus Morris, big time contributor on a conference finals team, Bobby Portis, NBA champion, was yeah. played out of his mind in the closeout game. Uh, you know, the list goes on, like Julius Randle, all NBA player. Uh, you know, it's Reggie Bullock was a really good starter for the Knicks last year. Now mm-hmm. he's in Dallas. He's a starting caliber of two guard in this league. Like they actually had an okay offseason. They probably went a little bit overboard with the bigs. Todd Gibson, obviously still with the team, was gave us really good minutes considering age and what he was asked to do. Um, yeah, like I, I just think that like this, you know, again, this kind of touches on the initial question you asked me. Like I just really feel like for the first time in my life, uh, not in my life, but I guess since, the, since they traded Patrick Ewing, like the Knicks actually – are they they have something where they could be setting themselves up for like i'm not saying they're going to win championships but they should be a factor in terms of like playoff seasons stacking playoff seasons for the next four five six years um they have that potential they have that setup they have that cap flexibility whatever you want to call it um it's there and um yeah you know like the nets are cool they they you know they have their guys and they're going to compete for a championship but like quite frankly like I really don't care that I don't have to root for Kyrie Irving and James Harden <laughs> and Kevin Durant. Like probably the three most miserable stars in the NBA as far I as love it. personalities. Yep. Yep. I'm with you there. Um, I, I have to ask, given this momentum um, that the Knicks have, and, and I'm pulling for the Knicks. Like I, I'm not a Knicks fan, but I want to see the Knicks be relevant. Uh, Cause those, those nineties Knicks teams were always fun. Um, what is your confidence level in James Dolan keeping his hands out of the cookie jar? <laughs> I know I have to go there. I'm sorry, <laughs> but no, how no, are you no. feeling about that right now? What do you have any cues or anything you've seen that like gives you confidence? He's staying out of this. Yeah. So uh, the Dolan thing is pretty interesting. Um, I, I actually am not too concerned about it. I don't think his issue of late has really been interfering. I think it's for the longest, like I would say for the last seven, eight years, his issue has not been interfering. It's been hiring executives that are Mm. worthwhile. Um, And really like, even if you go back further, a lot of times when he did interfere was because he felt obligated to step in because he didn't trust the GM and stuff like that. Um, 
he knows Leon Rose going back years. Like, you know, Leon Rose is Carmelo Anthony's agent. He's been an agent for many players who have played with the Knicks. Um, World Wide West has connections with, you know, everybody, but obviously also within the Knicks. Um, you know, Alan Houston, I believe, was a Leon Rose client. He's still working in the front office, obviously was a player with the Knicks for a long time. Um, I'm not too concerned about it. I think they have a group that is... And look, here's the thing. They didn't spend a lot of money last year. They got him in a playoff appearance, and they got him some playoff revenue. Like, you want to keep an owner happy? You win without spending a lot of money? They're going to be very, very happy, and they're not going to be interested in interfering with you. Um, I think the Knicks are... Look, with Dolan, you never know. Things can just fly off with him at any point. But my worry level right now is probably as low as as it's been like i i didn't think he interfered at all when phil jackson was there i don't think he interfered at all when steve mills was running the show really like you know like i don't i mean he let him trade porzingis right if you think about it for an owner like porzingis was point. The, the billboard name he was the like, the easiest thing and this is what i thought at the time of that trade like the easiest win for the knicks was actually to just keep him just keep him give him his max contract and you know that's the easy sell. The hard thing to do was trading him. And the hard thing for an owner to do was to give permission to trade him. And he gave them the permission to trade him. Mm-hmm. So, and and obviously, look, let's be realistic. Part of that was probably like, hey, look, we are pretty fucking confident we're going to get Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and whoever mm-hmm. the hell else. Um, but, <laughs> but the point being is he signed off on trading the kind of star at the time that Porzingis was. So uh, I don't think he's... I think he's shown that he's grown as an owner in that sense, at least with the Knicks. Um, and I, I'm as confident as I could be. Like I said, again, with Dolan, you never know, you know, he might see that Knicks fans are happy. And like, have you guys seen uncut gems? Um, oh yeah. He, he makes a jo- he, Adam Sandler makes a joke in that where he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, like, he let Lynn go because he saw all the Knicks fans were happy and he figured out how, to, how can we make them miserable again? <laughs> it's like, that, like, so you never know. Maybe he's going to like, maybe I'll wake up tomorrow and they traded RJ Barrett for like, oh, gosh, I don't know, man. like Tyler hero or something. Oh, um, but, <laughs> but like, I, I'm like I said, as, as confident as I could be. On that note of James Dolan, if the team does turn the corner around, like, how is his legacy going to change? Like, let's say you, you mentioned all the moves that they're making with draft picks and just different decisions that they're doing with the roster. That turns into not even like a title, but like consistent, like Eastern Conference finals appearances and just a streak of just better success. Well, that kind of changed that Dolan narrative for you. Or is there always going to be just that hatred? Is that, I don't, because just being in that boat, like I'm a Bulls fan and I, you know, I totally have to respect of the Knicks, even though they are a traditional rival of Chicago. <laughs> but at the same time, I just, you know, I'm seeing what happened to Charles Oakley and just some other things in terms of how he treats the fans. I just, I understand winning cures everything, but I just can't imagine that erasing all of the bad things he did in the past. Or am I incorrect about that? If the Knicks just win the title in the next two or three years, due I look, to if, this metaphor for this. If they, if they win a title in the next two years, I'll, you know, I'll just get James Dolan's tattoo. But like, like I, I'll be quite honest with you. Uh, the thing that really bothered me more than anything with Dolan was the whole uh, Anuka Brown Sanders thing back going, yeah. going back to when Isaiah Thomas was there. That was obviously a very disturbing episode. Um, you know, nobody came out looking good. Definitely not the Knicks, definitely not Dolan, definitely not anybody involved with it. Um, 
But like, as far as the you know, the rest of it, like, look, as far as what do you want from an owner? You want an owner that's going to put money into the team that is committed to winning. Like for all of his flaws, he's always put the money in. And really like yeah. fundamentally, the issue has been having poor executives, trusting people that didn't deserve to be trusted to, to use those resources. And now if you look at like what Leon Rose has done, it's, it's just, everything is so much smarter. Like, okay, you're in a capped league. Okay. But you have an owner who's willing to spend. So how can you spend the money? Should you go start trading and bringing in, bloated contracts or overpaid players and go into luxury tax. No, that's stupid. That's the worst way to spend this money. <laughs> but what the Knicks have done, right? They have spent money on getting well-respected execs, like guys that know their craft. Walt Perrin from Utah, uh, Zanin, Frank Zanin from Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, they they went out and paid Kenny Payne to get out of Kentucky. They're paying him a seven-figure salary, I believe the highest salary for any assistant in the NBA. Um, mm. They paid Johnny Bryant to get out of Utah to come and be the lead assistant with the Knicks. Um, they they got uh, Darren Ehrman out of the G League from Boston and brought him onto the bench. Uh, they've spent money in the, like they got the Noah shot tracking system. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but that's something that a lot of NBA teams, uh, Phoenix was the first team to put that in. You see how well they shoot the ball. Um, the Knicks put that in last year. Uh, they were the third best team in the league in terms of three point percentage. Do I think mm. that that's just because of the shot tracking system? No, like, but I think, when you see the organization putting money into stuff like that, it's it's indicative of like, hey, look, we're taking his money, but we're using it in areas that are uncapped in the league that you can spend as much as you want on this stuff. They at like last year, um, I know for a fact they had more video analysts, like those uh, the bench stats guys. They had more of them than any other team in the NBA. They had three separate dudes doing that on the bench. I think most teams in the NBA have one, two at max. The Knicks had three. Um, they also added more development coaches this year. I think they added two more development coaches just specifically for, you know, player development. And like, does that, do I think now the Knicks are like the pride, like the, the premier organization, everything they do is great. And they're the best at developing. Like, I don't know. I have no clue, but the fact that they're actually doing that, that's what you want to see. Like you're a Rockets fan, you know, like I think the Rockets, they've, they've shifted, like they've cut all their, you know, payroll, but they've now, they brought in like 15 different scouts and like, they added a bunch of development coaches, I believe. Like, so like when you see stuff like that, like it's, it's not really like, it's just a way smarter use of his resources. And like, mm-hmm. the thing is Dolan has always been willing to cut those checks. He just didn't have executives that had any interest in doing that stuff or did not have the mental bandwidth to, to understand how to do it. Um, and you know, Leon Rose, he's a first time executive, obviously was an agent for a long time, but he's an agent that he, he's cleared clients everywhere in the NBA. And he clearly, has a pretty grounded understanding of like what it takes to run an organization. What do you really need? What's the infrastructure you need? And does that involve that sometimes he's going to prefer to bring in people he knows? Yeah. But how is that different than any other executive? That's normal for anybody in any business that you ever earn in life. Like, you know, people like, how do you think people get jobs? (laughs) Like you get jobs by working connections. Like that's how the world works. Um, So yeah, like I, I, with Dolan, like I, I've I'm really been pretty ambivalent as far as like like I really don't care when people are like how can you root for the team Dolan's such a bad guy I'm like do you really mm. want to take a look at NBA owners and start ranking them as like <laughs> human Great beings That's true. like they they yeah. all suck so I don't care about that like I don't control that I was a Knicks fan before James Dolan ever factored in the team I was a Knicks fan when like Charles Smith was getting blocked 15 times by Scottie Pippen so like 
you know, like I, I'm not going to not be a fan because James Dolan is an asshole. Like I don't control that. I'm like, I'm, I'm rooting for the, the, the laundry. I'm not rooting for the, the, the nicest owner or whatever. I don't care about that, man. Just, well, you could do that like with anything in life. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, like music you listen to, so, you know, like you go anywhere with that. It's trusted yeah, for one thing. <laughs> yep. Well, we appreciate you coming on to the show. Really enjoyed the chat. And I think the Knicks are, they're going to be a, a must watch team um, no matter what happens. Um, Sweeney, can you please go over where um, our listeners and viewers can find you on social media and then plug the pod and anything else you're, you're working on for the rest of the year as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, uh, you can find me at Twitter. It's Shwini Poo, which is written right there. It's at Shwini Poo. Uh, I write for The Strickland. It is the Strick.land. Uh, that's just a blog we started over a year ago now, uh, just dedicated to the Knicks. Um, we, and I also host the pod, uh, Pod Strickland. Uh, so check that out. We just dropped our Patreon uh, after a year or so. Uh, if you're a Knicks fan that is unaware of our existence, uh, come check it out. Feel free to subscribe to the Patreon. We have a lot of premium content there, writing, uh, extra podcasts, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, all the, any contribution you make, obviously, would be helpful, appreciated, or just listen to the free stuff. I don't care. Uh, anything you do is great. So, um, yeah, that's all I have. And, uh, yeah, Matt, Justin, thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on to the show. Really enjoy the chat. All right. Take care, guys. Take care.